The top 10 wide receivers in fantasy football, in terms of the rankings that I'm about to spew at y'all, felt a lot easier than the running back position. A lot, lot easier. So we're going to smoke. We're going to smoke right through this fucking video. If you missed last week's uh, video or earlier this week's, the running back rankings, we did 1 through 10, and then we did video number 2, 11 through 20. So we will put that down in the description. I advise y'all, highly advise y'all to check them out first or second, whatever the order you want to do it is. Today's video, we're bike. We're so bike. Top 10 early wide receiver rankings for 2022 fantasy football. Either tomorrow or early next week, we'll do 11 through 20. We're spitting out the early takes. And then as the summer progresses, as you see me get tanner and tanner and smoother and smoother, we'll pivot a little bit. We'll get spicier. We'll yell a lot more. But we got to get them out now. And then we refine ourselves, both physically and rankings. All right, y'all know what to do next. Hit the subscribe button if you're new here. Thumbs up button if you enjoy the video at any point. Tuck your shirt in. Stop yelling. Let's eat. Okay, uh, Cooper Cup's a wide receiver one here. Take him as early as you want in fantasy drafts. There can't be a single, logical, non-mental uh, illness capacitated type person that doesn't view him as a wide receiver one that does not view him as a very, very early pick in 2020 fantasy football. Cooper Cup, wide receiver one, possibly player number one. Al Robinson gone, OBJ gone. Al, I mean, uh, Al Robinson in, OBJ and Robert was out. Doesn't matter. Cooper Cup, wide receiver one. Then you have the 2-3 zone where I think there's the tier of Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. Again, like, I don't really think it's worth smashing your head against the wall trying to figure out which one of them is going to score 0.4 fantasy points per game more than the other one. I think they're both phenomenal. I think you're going to be happy at the end of the year with either of them. Uh, Jamar Chase, the rookie year, so you could argue the fact that his ceiling might be higher because we just saw one single season out of him. Justin Jefferson has been so wildly consistent. Adam Thielen might be on the back end of his career. We might see him start to progress in the wrong way a little bit, which will open up more opportunity. They've got a new staff out there in Minnesota, but even looking back at the history, coming over, Kevin O'Connell coming over from L.A., it's hard to take pieces and be like, that was Sean McVay's offense. Plus, two years ago in L.A., they were run heavy. And then when he was in Washington as the O.C., they were also run heavy. But you could say it's the quarterback. Regardless, we're not going to start to try to piece together all the Justin Jefferson, phenomenal fucking player. Jamar Chase, phenomenal player. I have Chase at two. I have Jefferson at three. If you have him flip-flop, fine. Have a, have a great fucking season. Come back to me at the end if you think there was something that was more to have had in this argument. But shut your mouth for now. After those two... Starts to get interesting, okay? And I have Devontae Adams at four. I'm going to make the case for why Devontae Adams uh, is, without a doubt, not a fade this year in fantasy football. Two things that you would never think you would have to actually explain to people. But Devontae Adams lands in Las Vegas, right? there. It's crazy because the, the wide receiver landscape went nutty this offseason. We had moves galore. We've had trade reports galore. Like, five out of the next six dudes, I feel like, either moved or or quite possibly still maybe going to be on the move. So Devontae Adams, I have at number four. He goes to Las Vegas. And I don't know why people are acting like he was a product of fucking Aaron Rodgers. He's he's going to a place with a little bit more competition. Sure, right? Got Darren Waller there. Like Hunter Renfro is cool, but I'm not really about to sit here and listen to a word of people saying that Hunter Renfro is going to be the reason that Devontae Adams is not eating this year. He's not eating into Devontae Adams' pie family. It ain't happening, all right? Adams lives Adams lives on the outside. Hunter Renfro has been outside less than the fucking Gen Z generation. The two are different. The two don't matter as it refers to his existence as a fantasy player. 
The other thing to consider here is just the Raiders' offense as a whole compared to Green Bay, right? We love to only talk about Aaron Rodgers, but there's more to the math equation here in terms of like scheme and, and just pass versus run overall and what it could mean to see less volume in a more uh, an offense that might be a little bit more balanced in terms of weapons, right? We've seen Devontae Adams be like the clear only top target there in Green Bay for a while. Now LV has other players, but they also pass the ball more. Last year, Derek Carr had nearly 100 more pass attempts than Aaron Rodgers did. Uh, Vegas ranked fourth in terms of pass rate last year. In terms of like the percentage of their plays that were passes, fourth in the NFL. Green Bay was 17th. So we could see Devontae Adams' target share dip a little bit and still see 150 to 160 targets. I think that's probably the most likely scenario here. I there's not a I don't think there's a world in which Devontae Adams sees 130 targets this year. I think he sees maybe a, a little bit fewer than he did in Green Bay. I'm not really worried about what that's going to look like for his fantasy production. We have uh, Josh McDaniels taking over in LV. This the other thing to consider is like this division is crazy. Denver with Russ, KC. The Chargers with Herbert, you know, it's going to be shootout after shootout after shootout. And, like, those are the the games that you want your players in, right? It's fun to go against the, the Texans or the Panthers or whoever, but it doesn't lead to points being scored. Maybe in the first half, but it does not lead to those, like, breakout ceiling games where the score might end up being fucking 40 to 34, right? And your player scores two touchdowns and has 150 yards. Like, a lot of those times where you blow out, I'm just saying, they're going to have a lot of very, very, very high-scoring games in this offense. So, like, the touchdown numbers could still very much be there. They have that chemistry going back to college. I just think we're overestimating what this move means for Devontae Adams in fantasy. Am I looking to take him in the first round? Probably not. But in terms of, like, where he ranks in the wide receiver position, I don't think we need to get too cute here. It's Devontae fucking Adams. We don't need to get too cute with Stephon Diggs either in Buffalo. I really won't argue. If you wanted to put Diggs all the way up to wide receiver two, I don't have a good argument against it. I think he's one of the guys that if things break right for him, he could finish as the number one uh, overall wide receiver in fantasy for sure. He's had 160 targets in both seasons since he's been in Buffalo. I mean, 127 catches two years ago. I think the likelihood of, of hitting the ceiling of who they are is probably a little bit higher for guys like Jefferson and Chase, but Diggs's floor seems so, so, so sturdy, and he's just a great player, right? Emmanuel Sanders is gone. Cole Beasley's gone. They did kind of resurface other players, or Jameson Crowder, Kilo Shaker, whatever, and Gabriel Davis should be more of an impactful player on the offense, but I think we kind of see what uh, Diggs is in Buffalo. 160 targets, you know, hopefully if Josh Allen can connect with him on more deep balls, he'll finish better, of course, but he's a great, safe top five wide receiver in fantasy this year. Stephon Diggs is my wide receiver five. Versatile inside, outside, very much like Truff Hot Sauce, one of the most versatile sauce brands in the world, for real. Like, they, you think of Truff, right? Truff stands for truffle infused. Every product that they put out is luxury and it's truffle infused. If you eat truffle infused foods, you know how fucking wonderful that taste is. They're known for being a hot sauce brand, but they've expanded to a crazy degree to the point where yesterday in the office, this is facts, you're going to see this on a vlog probably next week. I cooked breakfast. We don't even have a hot kitchen, we have an air fryer. I use our air fryer to cook bacon and eggs. And I know, novice move. I just wanted to use the truffle oil, though. This is why I did this. And this wasn't even for a sponsorship ad or read or anything like that. If you have an air fryer, they sell like accessory kits on Amazon, probably like 20 bucks. They have all these different types of uh, accessories that you could throw in there and cook different foods. They got like a pan type thing. That's almost like a frying pan you put on top of your stove. Put it in the air fryer. Instead of putting the bacon on first and just using that oil that seeps through the bacon to cook the eggs with. Also, side note, bacon, I always wondered, Right. So say you uh, say you eat bacon. Right. And on the nutrition facts, it'll say like, you know, 50 calories per slice. Now, obviously, you cook bacon. Right. And all that oil is left in the pan. That's not zero calories. That's like oil calories. Right. Does the calories on the back of a bacon package consider the final piece of bacon, the 50 calories? Or is that with the 
oil infused. And then if the oil seeps out, you're actually eating less calories. I always wondered that. I didn't always wonder that. I just like kind of just thought of it. But I'm curious now. Anyone? Anyone? Bacon gods out there? Uh, regardless, what was, what was I saying? Oh, uh, so yeah. So I was like, I could have done that, but I was like, I wanted to use the truffle oil. So I dropped a little truffle oil in there, cooked the eggs in it, and they were fucking delicious. Okay. So they've got a whole variety pack, hot sauce of pasta sauce. If you like spicy reggaeton, pasta sauce, spicy mayonnaise, the truffle oil is, I think it's one of their newer products. It's so fucking good. So go over to truff.com. Use promo code BDGE for 15% off your purchase. And I think they got free shipping going on as well. All right. So if you, you know, you're cooking for your significant other, you want to have the homies over and be like, you know, I've been stepping up my chef game a little bit, throwing shit in the air fryer like Nick taught me. Use truffle oil. Use the hot sauce. You can make the whole damn meal centered around truff. It's beautiful. Truff.com. Please go check that shit out. Let's move on to the bike half of the top 10 early wide receiver rankings. Again, if you uh, if you're enjoying thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. If you're new, all that good sheesh. CD Lamb is my number six. I went in depth on CD Lamb in last week's must draft wide receiver video. So go check that out if you want, you know, the inner workings and the biology of my pick on CD Lamb here at number six. I mean, you're talking about an absolute bona fide stud. You're talking about Amari Cooper being out of the fucking picture. You're talking about Michael Gallup. Same thing that I'm about to talk about. Chris Godwin in a second, like coming back from a very, very late ACL tear. 80 for 1100 last year as a 22 year old. This is a team that's single highest scoring offense in the NFL last year. Top five in pass attempts per game last year. Number two in overall pace last year. Like this is just a no brainer. And Prize Picks has them right now. I actually put significant money on this yesterday. I think I put $200 on this uh, on this parlay, season long parlay. They got player props up there on PrizePicks.com. CD Lamb 1200 yards. That feels like a no brainer. Jamar Chase over 1300 yards. He's went over 1450 yards as a rookie. Also feels like a no brainer. So I'm smashing the over on both of these. You can go get those on prizepicks.com. And if you want to go hit those, when you sign up on prize picks, if you use our promo code, they're going to double your deposit. So if you want to play it risky, listen, I threw, I threw fucking two hundo down on there. I always say, listen, you want to talk about your sins? We're talking about doing things responsibly. Go drink irresponsibly. But make sure you gamble responsibly. You don't got to take my picks. Don't put the money down that I'm putting down. But I love these. Exemplified by the money I fucking put down. Prizepicks.com. If you put $20 down and you use up promo code BDG, you're going to get double that to play with. So you can put 40 down on this for just putting 20 down. It's a beautiful thing. CD Lamb over 1200 Jamar Chase over 1300 Let's fucking run it. Next up on this list is Mr. Mike Evans. This, this I could I could sit here all day and make a good case for Mike Evans. I mean, just look at his career receiving numbers. This is one of the most well-rounded resumes ever by a wide receiver. You're talking about consistency, production, longevity. Like this is some Hall of Fame. Like this is what Hall of Fame is made of right here. An unbelievable career for Mike Evans. I want to stop there though. Everyone loves to look at the thousand yard seasons that Mike Evans had. Like that's always the case. He's had a thousand yards for whatever it is, nine straight, eight straight seasons in the NFL. A thousand yard receive, thousand yard seasons are are irrelevant and stupid as fuck. Making the case for Mike Evans in fantasy not irrelevant or stupid as fuck. Very smart, all right. But making the case for Mike Evans based around the fact that he keeps producing a thousand yards per season is very very stupid. I'll tell you why. Over the last three years, on average, there have been more than twenty four players each year. 24, more than 24 players on average that have gone over a thousand receiving yards. So you're talking about, we're starting to dip into the wide receiver three category over 24 players, right? That would be number 25. We're talking about wide receiver three. So I don't give a fuck that someone has a thousand yards. It's a terrible, it's a terrible, and there's probably another six players each year that are like 22 yards away that didn't hit it because they missed a couple games or some shit like that. Okay. Get these arbitrary thousand yard markers all the way the fuck out of your mind. They do not matter. Like the cases, people think they were a good case for CEH after his rookie year. Like they're not helping you. 
numbers don't help. Here is a list of numbers that do help and do matter as it relates to Mike Evans. 15, the week in which Chris Godwin tore his ACL last year. Two, the number of weeks after tearing it, he waited to have that surgery. Three, the third day of January, which was the day that Chris Godwin had that actual surgery. Nine, the months of minimum recovery timetable for an ACL tear to come back from, okay? Nine months minimum. Don't talk to me about the absolute outliers here. I don't give a fuck, so don't waste your time. To be both mentally and physically back from an ACL tear. Nine months from January 3rd would be the first week of September. That's the first week of the NFL season. Everything goes perfectly right. He could be back on the field for week one. 12, usually the maximum months physically for you to get back onto the field football. That's the upper limit of an ACL tear recovery injury. That's December 3rd, December, okay? Be very cautious drafting Chris Godwin this year. In the four games that Chris Godwin missed last year, Mike Evans saw per game 10 targets, 6.8 catches, 93 receiving yards, scored five touchdowns in those four games, and scored 20 fantasy points per game. Let's get back to that list of numbers. 29.9, Tampa Bay's point per game total last year, second highest in the NFL. 43.4, Tampa Bay's number of pass attempts per game last year, highest in the NFL. The highest number since Detroit did it back in 2012. They averaged like 46 pass attempts a game or some shit. 66.46, the percentage, the pass rate that Tampa Bay had last year, highest in the NFL. It's one thing to pass a lot because of bad game script, like you're down and trailing and you're forced to pass a lot. They pass at the highest level in the NFL despite having good game script in most of the games they played. Zero. Next number on the list, zero. The number of working brain cells in Antonio Brown's brain which is what has led him not to be on the team anymore. So Antonio Brown, also gone. Tom Brady, he's not a number, but he matters. So the case for Evans to be a top five fantasy wide receiver this year is very clear, very obvious, and there's almost nowhere that's too high for me to draft him in fantasy football this year. Number eight on this list after Mike Evans is Debo Samuel. Debo's a really tough evaluation this year. Probably changing quarterbacks, going to be more run heavy with Trey Lance under center. I still think the offense is pretty much the same in terms of how the passing is distributed. Lots of lots of screens to Debo, right? 28, uh, 28 overall screen passes last year he saw, uh, which was third highest in the NFL. That offense will probably stay the same. It'll probably still run through Debo in the passing game. But it's just, the it, will the volume dip down from where it's like, okay, if he saw 130 targets last year or whatever, is he seeing 110 this year? That shit matters. Does the fact that all this agency talk and him wanting to get traded because he doesn't want to fucking run his body into the ground like a running back matter? It probably does a little bit. So I'm a little bit more hesitant to draft Evo Samuel, even though he finishes the top, you know, two, three, four, whatever wide receiver last year in fantasy. But I want to talk about some of the good, man. You, It doesn't even matter. It's not even really like an outlook for him. I got him as a wide receiver eight. Do with that what you want. One of the craziest stats I came across last year, like if you're sitting there, I want you to answer these two questions. One, who do you, this is an obvious one, very fucking obvious. I'm talking about yards after catch per reception. Who led the NFL on that? Debo Samuel, 10.2 yards after catch per reception. Unbelievably high number. That's like college type numbers. Comment down below, who do you think led the NFL in yards per reception? Yards per reception overall. You know, you think about like the Deshaun Jackson types. You think about the Tyree Kill types averaging 17, 18, 19, 20. Like the, almost like the role players averaging that number of yards per reception. Debo Samuel led the NFL in yards per reception last year, 18.25. I thought that was insane for a guy who gets the majority of his targets near the line of scrimmage 
This guy led the fucking NFL in yards per reception. Crazy. His average depth of target, his dot was 8.55. 68th among wide receivers. So fucking impressive, man. And you could look, we have a little bit of a sample with Trey Lance under center. There's three games where Trey Lance was like significantly involved in the game, right? One of them he took over at halftime. But we have three games where he at least attempted 18 pass attempts. 18 pass attempts or more. And in those three games, Debo Samuel put up in half PPR, 31.7, 14.6, and 15.7 fantasy points. Debo's just so good, man. So it's like, I mean, he had eight fucking rushing touchdowns last year, dude. 365 rushing yards. That touchdown number, eight rushing touchdowns, more than Najee Harris, David Montgomery, Dalvin Cook, Elijah Mitchell. It's as many as Aaron Jones and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire combined. Silliness, man. Second in the NFL in yards per route run, yards per target, number five in missed tackles for, like, damn, man. It feels criminal to, to, to fade Debo while he's coming into the prime of his career. But the offense is just a weird one that I don't know how much I want a part of the passing game. So he's eight. T. Higgins is my number nine. I feel like this is where a lot of people are starting to put, like, A.J. Brown here. I just can't get on board with drafting A.J. Brown inside the top ten. Um, and actually, wait, I had uh, – I don't know if I finalized this or not. I was going back and forth. My nine ten are T. Higgins and Tyreek Hill. Uh, I wasn't really sure who I – it's almost like I want to uh, – like, I feel like I don't want to draft Tyreek Hill, but it feels disrespectful to put him out, like, at number 10 in the double-digit rankings. I have T. Higgins at 9. I might actually take Tyreek Hill at 9, but some fucking hard-to-swallow pills here. T. Higgins has been in the, in the league for two years. He had 110 targets, 74 catches, 1,091 receiving yards last year in 14 games. All three of those statistics are more individually than A.J. Brown has had in any of his three seasons. You can mismatch and take the reception number from this year, the yardage number from this year, and the fucking target number from this year. Mismatch it has not topped in any of his three seasons what T. Higgins did last year in his second season in 14 games. Do with that what you want. The The Cincinnati Bengals offense is just one that you want to attach yourself to. And through two years, Higgins has basically quieted any doubts or weird arguments that you could throw at him as to why he won't succeed. Produce as a rookie. Produce without Jamar Chase. Produce with Jamar Chase. Produce in a run-first offense. I mean, you look at the step he took up from year 2020, year one, to 2021. Per game numbers went from 6.8 targets to 7.9. Receptions, 4.2 to 5.3. Receiving yards, 56.8 to 77.9. Touchdowns, 0.38 to 0.43. Like, huge jump in production despite adding one of the best wide receivers in the world to your offense. And that shit doesn't even count the playoffs where he went 4 for 102 in the Super Bowl, 6 for 103 in the conference championship, 7 for 96 in the divisional playoffs. He had a dud wild card game, but fuck, whatever. 3 out of 4 ain't bad. Higgins kind of feels like the Nick Chubb of wide receivers where, you know, we're just going to draft him as a low-end wide receiver one for the next four years, and every single year he's just going to finish as a low-end wide receiver one, and you're not going to regret drafting. That just feels like what T. Higgins is. And now we're also looking at Burrow coming off the ACL tear from last year, right? Two years removed from the ACL tear. Now they have a line to protect him. There's a chance that they just fucking let this dude loose and let him sling the ball. If you look at the first half of last year, he averaged like 30.7 pass attempts per game. Second half of last year, it jumped up to nearly like 34 pass attempts per game. So big spike in pass attempts per game last year for Joe Burrow as he recovered from the ACL. Playoffs, 35.5. This is a, an offense that could obviously just explode again. You just want to fucking wrap your arms around the side of the train and hope that your feet don't fall off by the time they hit their arrival. That's what T. Higgins is. Terry Kill, again, like I really don't like him in Miami for fantasy, but anything outside the top 10 is just kind of disrespectful. He's going to get like 98 touches outside at the line of scrimmage. And listen, like he's going to be used like Debo. And I know there's going to be a lot of fucking dramatic people like, he's too small to be a run. I'm not talking about as a fucking running back. Obviously, Tyreek Hill's not going to line up at running back and take 12 carries a game. 
Like, stop making up fake arguments that no one cares about. That's Obviously, that's not going to happen. Stop arguing with third graders on Twitter, please. But Debo was number three in the NFL last year in screen targets, okay? 28. So if he takes the Debo role in terms of receiving, that's very valuable. Giving Tyreek Hill two to three targets at the line of scrimmage per game is basically like a floor of three for 45, three for 50, right? And if he connects with Tua on a deep ball, he's going to have a very fucking big game. I don't really care what you think about Tua. Like, you might be a Dolphins fan and be like one of the few people out there that are like, yeah, Tua's actually good. He'll be fine. This year they got a line to protect him and he'll be fucking awesome. Cool. I don't care. Problem is, like, you're coming from Pat Mahomes, so that was like the ceiling of what Tyreek Hill could be in the NFL. That was the absolute ceiling. Used perfectly with a perfect quarterback. Like, the deep ball connection, just the ceiling's just not going to be there compared to what it was in KC, obviously. So, Tyreek Hill needs to be adjusted significantly in fantasy football this year his line on prize picks right now is 1100 receiving yards i think i would probably err towards the under on that but i think it's about right but 1100 receiving yards you know it's not like amazing it's not gonna blow your fucking fantasy team up but i think that's a pretty high number i I would go i would go with the under there so to recap we have cooper cup we have jamar chase justin jefferson Devontae adams stefan diggs cd lamb mike evans number seven Debo Samuel, number eight. And then, you know, you can do what you want. T. Higgins or Tyree Kill, nine, ten. That's all I got for you today. Go try Truff. Truff.com. Use promo code BDG. 15% off. Go check out the other videos I mentioned. Uh, we did our running back rankings earlier this week. We did must draft wide receivers earlier uh, last week. All that good sheesh will be linked down in the description. I got to hop on a call. I'm out of here. Enjoy your uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I don't know what day you're going to watch this, but. Mwah. Oh, my God.